0: It's the show the establishment warned you about. That's right, it's the Dr. Tommy Show. Welcome back. Joining you from Echelon Health Studios in the free state of Florida. We're glad you're here. DrTommy.com slash podcast, live on Rumble and available on all podcast platforms. Just search for Dr. Tommy Show. So we have a lot of stuff to cover today. I wanted to talk about the latest with Tucker Carlson just announcing that he's going to bring his show back on Twitter and then also uh, some of the stuff that's going on with uh, Tucker in regards to um, some of the different things that he's been saying on these outlets, uh, stuff that you wouldn't have heard when he was on Fox. And then also wanted to talk about uh, a couple other things, linking uh, our woke revolution to the uh, French Revolution and also our green leap forward that we're trying to do with – climate change to China's great leap forward. We're going to try to do all of that within an hour. So bear with me. Anyway, so starting off with Tucker. Tucker is, uh, I'm just going to play this. He came on to um, his Twitter page and announced this recently. This was just yesterday, I believe.
1: Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. You often hear people say the news is full of lies. But most of the time, that's not exactly right. Much of what you see on television or read the New York Times is in fact true in the literal sense. It could pass one of the media's own fact checks. Lawyers would be willing to sign off on it. In fact, they may have. But that doesn't make it true. It's not true. At the most basic level, the news you consume is a lie, a lie of the stealthiest and most insidious kind. Facts have been withheld on purpose, along with proportion and perspective. You are being manipulated. How does that work? Let's see. If I tell you that a man has been unjustly arrested for armed robbery, that is not, strictly speaking, a lie. He may have been framed. At this point, there's been no trial, so no one can really say. But if I don't mention the fact that the same man has been arrested for the same crime six times before, am I really informing you? No, I'm not. I'm misleading you. And that's what the news media are doing in every story that matters, every day of the week, every week of the year. What's it like to work in a system like that? After more than 30 years in the middle of it, we could tell you stories. The best you can hope for in the news business at this point is the freedom to tell the fullest truth that you can But there are always limits. And you know that if you bump up against those limits often enough, you will be fired for it. That's not a guess. It's guaranteed. Every person who works in English language media understands that. The rule of what you can't say defines everything. It's filthy, really, and it's utterly corrupting. You can't have a free society if people aren't allowed to say what they think is true. Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it's enshrined in the first of our constitutional amendments. Amazingly, as of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter, where we are now. Twitter has long served as the place where our national conversation incubates and develops. Twitter is not a partisan site. Everybody's allowed here, and we think that's a good thing. And yet, for the most part, the news that you see analyzed on Twitter comes from media organizations that are themselves thinly disguised propaganda outlets. You see it on cable news. You talk about it on Twitter. The result may feel like a debate, but actually the gatekeepers are still in charge. We think that's a bad system. We know exactly how it works, and we're sick of it. Starting soon, we'll be bringing a new version of the show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter. We will bring some other things, too, which we'll tell you about. But for now, we're just grateful to be here. Free speech is the main right that you have. Without it, you have no others. See you soon.
0: I just want to play the whole thing. Uh, that was There's a lot to unpack there. One of the things, though, that jumps out to me right away is the fact that what he's saying so much mirrors what you do when you're at a doctor in a corporate practice. He's talking about what you can and can't say and what you can and can't do. There's so much of that is true. When you are employed doctor, when you're a corporate doctor, you can, for instance, COVID is the best example of all. I doubt there is a COVID. i mean, sorry. I doubt there's a doctor out there who was employed, who was not told that he must tell his patients to get the COVID vaccine not that he he or she not that they must uh and, and talk to him about it or, or discuss it or whatever i i i don't know this for sure because i i'm not i'm not in that situation but i i can almost guess that the push for covid vaccines from the top down was extremely uh was a very uh let's let's call it this it wasn't so much as a suggestion as an as as, as it was a um as it was a requirement that you have your patients get the COVID vaccine, or at least strongly encourage them to. And I know this is a fact, at least from the patient standpoint, because we have patients coming in here who said that the same thing has happened. And it can, you can say it for everything: COVID vaccines, um, medications for medi- uh, depression, medications for cholesterol. You know, all these different things uh, that medications for diabetes. Instead of talking to you about that. Di- there's a lot of things that happen in a corporate situation that I could totally see with Tucker. The other thing I was interested in when he was saying is the the media landscape on social media is dominated by the corporate media is dominated by the uh, mainstream media, quote unquote, the legacy media. And this is something that, you know, he said, if you bump your bump up against that too much, you're going to get fired, which which happened to him. You know, he bumped up against what you can say and I cannot say too many times and got fired. But um, so in the the corporate media, I remember when uh, I first started the podcast back in 2016, you could get a fairly decent amount of, uh views and plays and things like that and you had a lot of independent stuff on on youtube for instance and then after really after the election you saw almost a complete elimination of uh independent content from the youtube uh channels that you would uh be provided from youtube through the algorithms and it was all corporate media it was all rehashed old school media cnn washington post new york times everything else so that's what i thought was really interesting But Tucker is uh, going to go out on his own because he's going to be able to do things that he is not able to do now. And this is another thing I came across. This was Tucker. He's on this uh, podcast called The Vigilant Fox. And this is what he had to say. This is talking about Epstein. we are going to come back. I'm going to play the whole thing.
1: The second thing we know for a fact is that he was killed in federal custody. He Mm. was murdered. That's true. And if you look into it, as I did, I spent a week looking into it because his brother Mark reached out to me. And again, I know nothing else. Like, I don't know what Jeffrey Epstein was doing. I don't know. There's. I've never seen any tapes. Like, I don't know anything. So I, the two things I know, are, we don't know where the money came from. We don't know what he did for a living. And we know that he was murdered. He was murdered in the special housing unit of federal lockup in Manhattan.
0: How so, do we know he was murdered?
1: Oh, well, look into it, dude. We did a whole segment on it on my show. Nobody cared. I'm going to watch it after. You should. It's, un- it's beyond belief. And I'm very skeptical of any kind of conspiracy theory or whatever. Why don't more people go after this, though? We know that he was murdered because, well, for one thing, I a friend of mine is one of the people who last talked to him on the phone the day he was killed. And he had a expectation of a bail hearing in two days. He thought he was getting out. He was not despondent <laughs> at all. I talked to his lawyer, told me the same thing. They moved someone out of his cell. They put... Two people, one of whom was not even a full-time prison guard, on duty. None of the cameras trained on the cell worked. They were all out of it that night. They locked the front of the special housing unit that had eight cells in it, but then they opened all the cells inside.
0: Have you ever heard that? who was it? So I I asked a
1: really simple question, the Bureau of Prisons. Who were the other? So there are eight cells, 16, minus his cell because he was alone. So that means there are 14 other inmates there that night. What are their names? Where would they go? Some of them are transferred out right after. Who were these people? Can't tell you that. Really? You can't tell me that. Well, on the basis of what? Because some inmate at a federal prison's privacy concerns, like Trump telling, what are you even talking about? Meanwhile, the Attorney General of the United States under Trump, Bill Barr, issues a statement being like, no, we you know it's totally. Bill Barr lied. There's no question that Bill Barr we clearly suspected Epstein was murdered but stop the investigation into it. I went and read Bill Barr's book in which he explains all this and it's like complete bullshit and Mm -hmm. transparent bullshit. So I have no idea why the Attorney General of the United States would be lying about this, but there's literally no question that he did. I know him. So Bill Barr is a super nice guy. We reach out to Bill Barr like, hey, why don't you come on and explain why you lied about Jeffrey Epstein's death? no. So I I don't want to overstate what I know. I'm just telling you what I do know. Mm -hmm. He was killed.
0: Yeah. All right, be careful now, because there's some uh, adult language coming up. So if there's children listening, have them leave the room. And if you don't want to hear it, skip over the next uh, one minute. Yeah.
1: Why wow. whom? No idea. We could guess. But as my friend said, I said to my friend on Friday, actually, who do you think killed Epstein? And he goes, the list of people who wanted to kill Epstein was so long. <laughs> like, it could be anybody. Wow. But whoever did it, here's the one thing I'll say. Whoever did it was able to do it in the most secure lockdown in the United States of America and yeah. then get away with it. So, I was interviewing all these people like will you come on the show and talk about it? No, why? And one of them said to me, whoever killed Epstein clearly has a lot of power. <laughs> I mean like if I said to you, I want you to kill this guy in the special housing unit at federal lockup in Manhattan. You got to like, have some You'd be like I'd love to kill him but like how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. Right? It'd right. be pretty hard to pull that off. Well, someone pulled it off. So that tells you a lot about that, whoever Here comes. that group of people was. Close your mm-hmm. ears. They're no one to fuck with.
0: All right. So that's basically a lot of stuff that I have never heard about Epstein being killed. Because well, what we're told okay. is that Epstein died, died in custody. Uh, he killed himself because he felt such remorse because he knew he was going to prison for a long time. And certainly he was not murdered by anybody. And he hung himself with bed sheets, which is the favorite thing for people to do when they're Either that or have heart attacks if you're working with the Clintons. But anyway, um, so he uh, he killed himself, and then we were just told that was it. That was it. There's 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 no way that he was murdered. That it couldn't have happened. And what he said was what he did say about the cameras, that was allowed to be reported in the media. But I never heard that thing about the locking the front door and then opening up all the other doors. That just seems crazy. It reminds me of the scene in uh, Breaking Bad when uh, – Walt is trying to get the uh, guys that worked with him on the meth lab under um, under the laundry killed while they were because they were imprisoned and they were Mike's guys and Mike was paying them off and Walt wanted them killed to be silenced. And he was telling the neo Nazis, you know, we got to do this, and the neo Nazis were trying to figure out how to do it, you know. And they one of the guys said, well, we can do it, in, um, we can do it in a riot. And the other Nazi said, no, we don't want to riot because with it, someone else may get our guy, and we got to get our guy. So anyway. That's what it reminded me of. But he's right, though. If Epstein was killed by powerful people, who the hell is going to go on uh, Tucker Carlson to uh, talk about it? I mean, seriously. And the other thing, too, is, you know, one of the people I have a lot of respect for is this Bob guy, this guy that was um, the uh, associate of Hunter Biden. This guy's gone on TV and said that the big guy, which... You and I know that the big guy is Joe Biden, but he's on the record as saying, look, I know the big guy is Joe Biden. I've talked to Joe Biden. We, I know this is going down. I know that Joe Biden is getting paid by foreign, foreign uh, countries through, Joe, uh, through Hunter Biden. I was just reading this thing earlier today. It's talking about uh, the Representative Comer's got all of the uh, information about uh, Hunter Biden's dealings with these foreign countries. And how uh Comer's wondering, well, you know, we've given this to the DOJ. Why isn't the DOJ acted on it? Which of, of course is <laughs> it's it's like asking, you know, you know, why why is the why is the Fox guarding the hen house? You know, of course the DOJ is not going to ask uh is not going to act on anything having to do with Hunter Biden or any type of Democrat malfeasance. But anyway, they said that, you know, Hunter Biden had set up all these elaborate shell companies and Hunter Biden did this and Hunter And I'm thinking, is this the same Hunter Biden that I've seen uh, smoking crack with no teeth, uh, holding women in bondage while eating a sandwich, uh, sending text messages to his uh, dead brother's uh, fiance, asking him, asking her why she's keeping him from her daughter? I mean, this is this doesn't seem right. I mean, clearly, there's people out there who have, uh, you know, some talents that shine through, even though they have some very large shortcomings. But. This is this doesn't seem like the same Hunter Biden that set up the show companies, which brings the question is, you know, who's in charge? You know, who's in charge of the show companies in reality? And who knows if we'll ever know. But anyway, that's just an interesting thing, because Tucker is like I said, he, he got he got canned off of Fox News. Now he's kind of liberated. He's kind of like a doctor who's who's left the uh, corporate practice. Like I was alluding to earlier, you're liberated. You can do whatever you want. You can go have a podcast. You can. You know, you can, you can treat people differently. You can say, hey, you don't you don't necessarily have to get that uh, COVID shot if you don't want it, you know. that Maybe the COVID shot's not a good idea for you. Maybe the COVID shot's not a good idea for, for anybody, you know. You can say things like that without being fired. You can't do that, though, if you work in a corporate practice. And you can't do that if you are, and you can't do the things, ask the things that he was asking on this independent podcast if he worked for Fox News. So it's a good thing that he's no longer on Fox News. We'll just have to see what happens, though, if he's going to, if he's going to start all on Twitter, uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think they would do something different than what they have now as far as the platform. Maybe Elon's got an idea about you know expanding Twitter to be something bigger than it is, which would be great. You know, YouTube YouTube really is the go-to still, even though Rumble is around for most media that you want to get out right away. Maybe in 10 years Rumble will have called up, but Rumble just doesn't have the amount of, of stuff out there that you can get from YouTube. So YouTube still has that dominance. So maybe if Twitter could maybe somehow have a counterbalance against that, uh, getting some more videos and things like that, that would be helpful. So anyway, anyway, uh, back to this Epstein, this is something interesting. Tracy sent me this the other day and, you know, we're always wondering what, well, what about, you know, Epstein had all these, these flights, you know, hundreds of flights or thousands of flights, we have all these flight logs, and we've seen the names on there. Uh, Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, you know, all these different celebrities. Uh, why, why don't we know who – you know, he was a trafficking – he got arrested for trafficking a uh, 14-year-old. This is in Florida in 2004. And in 2008, he pled guilty and got some plea bargain. Was in a, you know, I think he was on a country club, halfway house or something like that for a few years, and then he was out on his own. And then for some reason, they hauled his ass back in, and then 2019 – he was arrested again. Then he, that's when he died. And he was going to go to he was going to go to trial apparently in the summer of 2020. But he died in August of 2019. Anyway, what happened to all these people that were abused by Epstein? And they got his his girlfriend in jail, Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, what happened to all the 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 people who were doing the abusing? Do they not have to face punishment? You know. And so we have this guy here. This is from uh, Daily Mail UK. Daily Mail. It says ex Barclays boss accused of abusing girls during a visit during a visit to Epstein's Island retreat lawsuit claims. It says uh, it says the ruling. Uh, sorry. It says the ruling in, uh, instead revealed that Ep- Staley was to have had used quote aggressive force in a sexual assault of an anonymous victim, JPM Jane Doe, and he informed her that he had Epstein's permission to do what he wanted to her. And this is this guy Barclays boss, former Barclays boss, just Staley. And this is a, 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 um, uh, apparently this is a new uh, court case that's underway. This is from May 3rd. It says, Staley has been accused of having, quote, observed victims personally and, quote, visited young girls at Epstein's apartment, exchanging some 1,200 emails with Epstein between 2008 and 2012 and said to have included pictures of young women in seductive poses. And uh, this is him in 2020 in Davos. So, you know, this guy's still active. It's not like he's on the run or anything. And, and again, he's accused of this. He's not convicted. But here's him in 2011 on the left, circled. Uh, and this was after Epstein was, of course, arrested and pled guilty to traffic or to uh, doing what he did with this girl in 2008. But it says that former Barclays boss Jess Staley is alleged to have abused a victim at left at late financier's Jeffrey Epstein's Virgin Islands retreat, according to a court document Monday, the document rejected motions to de- dismiss complaints against JP Morgan and, and Deutsche Bank who were legally liable for their alleged facilitation of Epstein's sexual crime. So uh, JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank are trying to say, look, Staley's on his own. We didn't have anything to do with it. So, but anyway, this is the first time I've heard of someone actually going to trial about it. And maybe this will be a, sign of things to come who knows back in 2005 it says here this is back when Jepstein Epstein was first arrested it says Palm Beach police started investigating the bi- billionaire financier Jeffrey Epstein in 2005 over allegations he had sexually assaulted a 14 year old girl. Epstein pleaded guilty and was convicted in 2008 of procuring a child for prostitution and soliciting a prostitute over the next decade. A number of alleged victims came forward claiming that Epstein had assaulted them. Epstein was arrested again in 2019 on sexual charges or trafficking charges dating back to the early 2000s. So he was arrested on this one case for this one girl, but then they rearrested him in 2019 for sex trafficking charges, which makes you think who did Jeffrey Epstein piss off between 2008 and 2019 that's 11 years from when he was basically cleared in the clear after having been uh, pleading guilty to this uh, prostitution charge uh, procuring a child for prostitution and soliciting prostitute Plead guilty to that in, in 8 and then he was back free you know at least by 2011 because here he is in this picture in 2011. And like I said, he was at some halfway house country club type facility for a while. I think it was in a house that he owned, actually, where he was, quote unquote, serving his time. And then on 2019, he was arrested again on sex trafficking charges. And I remember when it, when it came out that Epstein was arrested, I was thinking, well, why is he getting arrested again? Isn't, isn't this double jeopardy? Because it's not because he wasn't tried for trafficking before. But what did he do between 08 and 11 and 19 to piss people off? And there's all kinds of speculation about Epstein, about who he's involved with. I mean, he's had um, he's had on his calendar meetings with people all the way up to, you know, obviously Bill Clinton. We know that Bill Gates. But he's had meetings with people from the uh, intelligence agencies and everything else. And Of course, there were business meetings, but who knows? So this guy had some powerful enemies potentially if he was going to leak stuff. And so who knows if this is ever going to come out, what happened on this little Island here, Epstein Island. It's pretty crazy. And Tucker, I don't know what kind of Tucker, what kind of, uh, security that Tucker has, but he's got to have some security for going out and, and reporting the things he does. I can imagine he and, uh, both he and, um, uh, O'Keefe need to have similar types of security because, I mean, there's some powerful people they're poking, and they're they're very you know, it's not like it's some YouTube podcaster somewhere. It's you know these are these are pretty well known people. O'Keefe and Tucker going out there and talking like this, so I don't know. China's Great Leap Forward. This is a history lesson that I want us to go over a little bit. And basically, China's Great Leap Forward took place in 1957. And what it was was Mao said, Mao Zedong, uh, for those of you who don't know, was the premier of China back then. He was the grand poobah of the Communist Party in China, the first first premier. He was the guy who beat Chiang Kai-shek in the Chinese Civil War, sent Chiang Kai-shek running all the way back to, to Taiwan, where he established the Republic of China, which... This day we know is Taiwan. Anyway, uh, Mao decided that we needed to industrialize China and China was an agrarian society and we need to do something called the the Great Leap Forward. And so in 1957, he began something called the Great Leap Forward. And it says here, this is from an article from the uh, University of Chicago Chronicle. This is from 1996 it says the great leap forward was begun in 1957 by chairman Mao Zedong to bring the nation quickly into the forefront of economic development, development. Mao wanted China to become a leading industrial power and to accomplish his goals. He and his colleagues pushed for the construction of steel plants across the country. The rural society was to keep pace with the dream by producing enough food to feed the country plus enough for export to help pay for the industrialization. So that was it. So this was the plan. Uh, we have to uh, we have to build steel mills, and in order to build these steel mills, we're going to produce a hell of a lot of grain, and we're going to produce so much grain that we're going to feed everybody. And then the key is we have to make enough grain that we'll have a surplus that we're going just going to sell to finance this operation. So what happened was they did this. It says uh, the rural the rural society was to keep pace by uh, by producing enough food to feed the country plus enough for export. As a result of the communist revolution, landowners have been stripped of their property. Okay. And so by 1957, by 1957, peasants already were forced to work in agricultural cooperatives. So you had the communist revolution come in and they had, people had property for what it was. They were peasants, but they did have property. Well, anyway, the government comes in and they said, okay, uh, uh, Mal has said now all of this stuff is owned by the state. And we're going to take it all. And then now you people are going to work on it like a sharecropping situation, except the owner is the government. It says at the beginning of the Great Leap Forward, Mao proclaimed China would overtake Britain in the production of steel and other products within 15 years. Other Chinese leaders, including Dao Xiaoping, Ding Xiaoping, supported Mao's enthusiasm, according to the documents uh, Yang studied in China. Yang is this guy who wrote a book. Uh, about this, this one, I'm reading the book that his, uh, articles about the book he wrote, it says, uh, it says in pursuit of its goals, the government executed people who did not agree with the pace of radical change. The crackdown led to the deaths of 550,000 people by 1958. So what they did was they said, look, you're going to do this. And if you don't like it, you're going to get executed. It says, Frequent changes in the timetable were symptomatic of the Great Leap, which in retrospect was, a fant- fantasy in our, was fantasy incarnate. Even more exaggerated targets were subsequently presented and then frequently revised upward for steel, grain, cotton, and other products. Any semblance of serious planning was abandoned. So what you had there was uh, Mao and the people high up in the Communist Party saying, look, we need, more, we need more, we need more, we need more, we need to move faster. And so the people who didn't agree with that were executed. And in addition to that, what happened was the local leaders had to show that, look, we are accomplishing Mao's goals. So what they said was, we're going to over exaggerate the amount of grain we had. And so when they did, the communist leaders said, oh, well, that's great. You have surplus grain. We're going to sell that surplus as according to plan. And they sold the surplus grain. But in reality, there wasn't enough grain. There was no surplus. There wasn't enough to feed the people. So of the grain that they did have, they sold and they left the people to starve, which led to the Great Leap Famine. It says local leaders competed with one another to see who could create the most activity, and the rush to recruit labor. Agricultural tasks were neglected, sometimes leaving the grain harvest to rot in the fields. Yang said, "In the frenzy of competition, the leaders overreported their harvests to their superiors in Beijing, and what was thought to be a surplus grain was sold abroad. Although, the th- although in theory the country was a washing grain, in reality it was not." Rural communal mess halls were encouraged to supply food for free, but by the spring of 1959, the grain reserves were exhausted and the famine had begun. No one is sure how many people perished as a result of the spreading hunger. By comparing the number of deaths that could be expected under normal conditions with the number that occurred during the period of the Great Leap Famine, scholars have estimated that somewhere between 16.5 million and 40 million people died before the experiment came to an end in 1961, making the Great Leap Famine the largest in world history. And then it talks about how people basically slowly were able to get back on their feet by abandoning um, the dictates of the central government. People abandoned their homes in search of food. Families suffered immensely and reports of suffering reached the members of the army whose homes were primarily in the rural areas. As soldiers received letters describing the suffering and deaths, it became harder for leaders to maintain ideological discipline. Chaos developed in the countryside as rural militias became predatory, seizing grain, beating women, beating people and raping women from famine. Okay. During the struggle for survival, farmers in nearly one third of the rural communities took matters in their own hands, abandoning the people's commune in favor of individual farming. Heavy central control was reduced and the country's agricultural production improved. So finally, then Mao died and they were able to start under Deng Xiaoping some reforms that led to a little bit better situation. But. When I read this stuff, this reminds me exactly of what we're doing with our green leap forward as proposed by uh, modern day Maoists like AOC and modern day Maoists that exist in the Biden administration, unnamed because we don't know who they are necessarily. But Biden is the puppet of this. And so. Similarly, how we were supposed to have an abundance of grain in China to sell to modernize the uh, steel factories and then overtake Britain and steel production in in five years instead that they didn't have that. So we're doing the same thing here with energy and we're trying to pretend that there's going to be some type of green revolution where we're going to have all of this wind energy and we're going to have solar energy and we're going to be able to replace of all things, fossil fuels with this stuff. When we've covered before, this is completely impossible due to the, uh, for one thing, the amount of raw materials it takes to make the batteries or the windmills or the solar panels aren't even sufficient. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't build that many. And if we wanted to do that, the amount of energy that would have, it would produce would set us back to uh, the times below the uh, pre-industrial era. If we, if we tried to implement that now, we would we would basically have blackouts everywhere. There would be no. Um, uh, we had a. I had a conversation yesterday with a mechanic, and he said that uh, apparently there was this. Uh, some fleet wanted to replace all of their cars with solar cars, or, or I mean, so all of their um, gasoline cars with uh, electric cars. And So they called in the local electric company. The electric company came down there and they said, "Look, if you guys want to do what you're talking about and replace your fleet, your gasoline fleet with electric fleet." The amount of energy that it would take to run this fleet in this little area now would wipe out the whole local grid. And so that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a situation where the grid can't sustain it. And then we're dealing with a situation, too, where there's not enough materials to build the batteries. There's not enough materials to um, build the windmills. And then if we were to try to build all that stuff and somehow we were to succeed... There's not enough land to even house all the windmills and batteries that we need and still have enough room for uh, the things we have currently, you know, how, roads and and homes and buildings and things like that. On top of all of that, the whole reason for doing this is to get to a carbon footprint that is so small that it's not going to lead to further uh, elevations of the temperature, they tell us. And there was an article that I uh, wrote that I read a few a few. Months ago, and this guy says that he's looked at it, and the carbon footprint they want is the carbon footprint of that of a society before the Industrial Revolution. That is the carbon footprint that is necessary in order to achieve the goals that they have set to stop the temperature from rising. So here we are in a similar situation to before where we've set these goals that are completely illogical. And in order to achieve these goals, we're willing to decimate the current population in order to achieve them. And then what's going to happen? Are we going to have a famine? Are we going to have the equivalent of a famine, of economic collapse, in order to achieve these goals? Or are people going to come to their senses before then? Or are we going to have to suffer the fate of the Chinese in the 1950s, where there's people starving to death, where there's corruption, where there's a military you know, turning into vigilantes uh, who, are, who are trying to just secure enough food for their families. That is the thing that we have to look at as a society is when are we going to wake up to the fact that the Green Revolution is a cultural revolution and like the cultural revolutions of before, it is going to lead to despair, uh, infringements on liberty and possibly death if it hasn't already. The things that they are talking about doing with green energy are impossible. Uh, I read a book uh, I talked about a few weeks ago. It was a children's book. And the children's book said that we can get rid of uh, natural gas and oil and replace those with wind uh, turbines and solar panels. It's impossible. But there are people out there who think that it is possible. And the only reason they think that is because they've been told that. By groups like CNN and USA Today and the Washington, or Washington Post and New York Times. But there's people out there to believe that. But if, if there are enough people out there that believe that, they're not going to understand this great leap forward and what happened with the Chinese. And they're not going to understand that the death and mayhem that comes with these intellectuals, these elites who set these goals that are not achievable. And I think that the people who are behind the Green Movement know these goals aren't achievable. And that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of. Um, that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of hope is knowing that deep down inside, maybe not people like AOC, but the real true people behind it, the people who are the money behind the Green Revolution, the Green New Deal, they know that it can never work. But what they are hoping is that they can convince enough people that it is the future, that it is necessary in order to save people's lives. By having a static climate, which has never happened in history, by the way, there's never been a static climate, nor will I ever, uh, because humans can't control the climate. Anyway, they're, there's, they know that that's unachievable. But what they think is, in the meantime, they're going to acquire enough power that they can force people to do things that will make them even more wealthy. And that's what I think is going to happen. Now, that in and of itself is dangerous enough. Because by them becoming wealthy, they're going to have to squeeze and continue to squeeze people to make them do these things like uh, pay for green energy, pay for all these other things in the name of saving the earth. Our electric bill has a green energy transition fee on it. It's whatever the fee is. It's like $7 a month now. And what is it for? It's to pay for green energy. It's to pay for them to transition to green energy. So those little things like that is where you're going to see it. Uh, where the money's going to come out, you know, and these auto, these requirements, you know, ESG is the big thing too, where where all this money's got to be paid to ESG companies. And ESG companies are companies owned by these wealthy people or these powerful elites who are controlling the green energy, uh, green revolution behind the scenes. I just thought it was interesting. A great leap forward is going to be our green leap forward. And likewise, we may suffer Harshly. So this is more green energy stuff. This is from the Gateway Pundit. So you remember Big Four that they said, that oh, we're not going to ban your gas stoves. That's that's a conspiracy theory. That's crackpot stuff. Well, then Kathy Hochul has now banned gas stoves in new construction or gas in new construction in New York. Well, this is from the Gateway Pundit. This is about uh, appliances. And it says... Biden regime escalates war on household household appliances to advance, quote, climate change agenda, releases crippling rules targeting dishwashers, crackdown on washers, dryers and refrigerators, also under consideration. It says the Biden regime apparently wants all Americans to return to the days where Americans uh, wash their clothes and hung them outside. The Department of Energy released devastating rules to dramatically slash water and energy use limits for American dishwashers below current levels. Here's the Department of Energy's full scheme via Fox News. The proposal would limit dishwashers to using 3.2 gallons of water per cycle, or below the current federal limit of 5 gallons. The rules would also require manufacturers to reduce their product's energy consumption by nearly 30%. Most dishwashers on the market are already well below the federal standard of 5 gallons, with most using 3.5 gallons per cycle or less, so they need to have... Uh, less than what most dishwashers use now. So that just means the dishwashers are going to have to either become more efficient, quote unquote, or dishwashers are going to become less efficient and you're going to have to, but they're going to use less energy and less water, but you're going to have to wash your dishes more often. It says the the news only gets worse for American homeowners. However, Fox News also reveals the regime is considering Brutal crackdowns on even more household appliances, including washers, refrigerators, and dryers. So dishwashers are first, and then maybe dishwa- uh, clothes washers, refrigerators, and dryers. And it says, uh, Department of Energy makes crystal clear these rules, new rules are coming in order to advance Biden's radical, quote, climate change agenda. Listen to this. Collectively, these energy-efficient actions support President Biden's ambitious clean energy agenda to combat the climate ch- crisis. There you go. So that's your great leap forward there. This is your green leap forward. This is part of your green leap forward. And this go back to the article. It says this all marks the next step in the regime's efforts to completely alter our way of life. Recall that in February, the Gateway Pundits Christina Layla reported the feds were considering a complete ban on gas stoves in America. Biden officials later tried to obfuscate to tamp down the national uproar before partially admitting in March Uh, partially admitting the truth in March, saying that they wanted to ban some gas stoves. New York in late April followed the Biden regime's signals and became the first state to ban gas stoves. Of course they did. While ordinary Americans will suffer from these horrific rule changes should they go into effect, the wealthy and powerful will remain unaffected. Rules are only for little people, you see. Yes, because they're going to make stoves and and things like this that are going to cost a fortune, and um, only, you know, you're not going to be able to afford it. Or that, or you're just going to use more energy. Like I said, you're going to have to wash your dishes twice, like the uh, the green toilets that you have to flush twice in order to, uh, you know, get rid of the waste. Um, all this stuff about wokeness in our country is is coming to a head, and uh, Victor Davis Hanson has a uh, has an article in American Greatness called The Impending Termidor Reaction in Jacobin America. And so the Jacobins were the leftists. I, I misspoke last week. I said left wing and right wing. And the French Revolution was about the, the right wing um, the left wing supporting government. Actually, the left wing at that point was not supporting the government. The left wing was the revolutionaries. The right wing supported the government. The right wing supported the monarchy. And the left wing supported the uh, the the revolutionaries. I I got confused because I was thinking the left wing supports government now. Well, the left wing supports government now because the revolutionaries are in charge of the government, which makes sense. But if you go back in time long enough, you'll see that the Leftists weren't in charge of the government at that point but now they are anyway left wing whereas one of these jacobins uh where the the jacobins was a left-wing faction that was one of the original um um one of, one of the original leftists in the french revolution and so the um there was, a, there was a group called the Jordans who favored constitutional government, and they were elect, And they were um, executed by their former friends, the Montagnards. In return, the latter—this is from the article. In return, the latter were deemed too conservative for the emerging crazy, crazy Jacobins, so they too had to be decapitated. Then, ensuing year-long reign of terror, guillotine, thousands of innocents deemed guilty of being guilty of something. So. These this was a group. So the the initial group that was um, it, that wanted to abolish the monarchy was the Jacobins. I'm sorry, the the Jourdan's, and then they were executed by their friends called the Montagnards, and they were in turn executed by the Jacobins, who were the most revolutionary. So what you have in these revolutions is you have a happened in the Russian Revolution when the czar was in place in the 19 was it 1918 the czar czar nicholas ii was the last czar he was uh, he was the monarch in, in russia and the army had a coup and then the army said we're going to take over the country we're going to have a civil war unless czar nicholas steps down so czar nicholas stepped down so the red army uh overtook the white army, which was Tsar Nicholas's army. With the White Army, the Red Army was a faction that was against Tsar Nicholas. So the Red Army became in power and they had this kind of transitional power, which was uh, from the uh, legislative body at that time. That power that legislative body was overthrown um uh, by a series of leftists. And uh one of the first was uh um there was, there was a group of leftists that was uh, not Lenin's leftists, Minche, the Mensheviks. And they were overthrown by the Bolsheviks. So you see the same thing happened before. So you had the, the Red Army overthrew the White Army, which was uh, sympathetic to the Tsar. And then the Mensheviks took over or, or executed and uh, beat the Red Army. And then the Bolsheviks executed the Mensheviks. So you have the same thing happening here. And and French Revolution, what I think is interesting is that this is kind of what's going on in our in our country here is we've had these series of revolutions. And now we're reaching to the point of where are we at the final leftist revolution before the uh, the, the counter revolution starts. So in Victor Davis Hanson's article, the impending termidor reaction, the termidors were the ones that put an end to the leftist revolts. And the Termadors eventually led to Napoleon being crowned the uh, dictator of France. But we have here in in America, so we've had the progressives in power now for probably, not in power, but the progressive movement in the United States from 1919, let's say, or or, or, let's say Woodrow Wilson, or even before him, Theodore Roosevelt. So Theodore Roosevelt was a progressive. He said he was a progressive. You progressed from Theodore Roosevelt to Woodrow Wilson, who was a Democrat. And then you progress through that. Then you get into the 60s, where the Democrat Party basically had, like, the 1968 convention in Chicago, I believe it was, where they had the, uh, the violence. And those were the leftists then, because the leftists then didn't think that the Democrat Party then, who were left, liberal left, were not far radical enough. So then you had... Those people take over, and those people that ran the, uh, the like the Weather Underground and things like that, uh, mentored people like Joe Biden. I'm sorry, not Joe Biden. Um, Barack Obama. So, uh, the the guy who was the head of the Weather Underground was the supposed to be uh, uh, the ghostwriter for Barack Obama's first memoir. I think he's had three now. So you have this series of series of series of left wing and it moves farther and farther left to where we arrive now in our society. Now we're we're so far left that the people who were considered left or Democrats or liberals in the 1960s look like a conservative today. John F. Kennedy, if he was a resurrected, would look like a, a true blue conservative today. Same with his brother. Not true blue conservative, but much more conservative than your average rhino Republican. You know, talking about national defense, talking about love of country, and things of like that. Those are all things that are antiquated, and so now we have this current left wing. Which, in this article, you know, Victor Davis Hanson goes into some of the things that we're doing here. Uh, it says, um, you know, if you look at look at the woke revolution that we have here, it says, like the Jacobins, our woke elite have deemed prisons or arbitrary detention centers, so thousands of those arrested for committing violent crimes have either been charged, never convicted, never sentenced or never incarcerated. These exemptions rest on principle that the revolutionaries who destroyed the enforcement of law have the wherewithal to protect themselves from the dystopia they created. Borders disappeared. Apparently on the grounds, they were 19th century racist relics yet sanctuary cities prove that the least welcoming of the tens of thousands, uh, yet sanctuary cities prove the least welcoming of the tens of thousands. They have all but invited in a distant other towns and counties. So you have people like Mayor Adams in New York City and, and uh, the mayor in Washington D.C. saying, you know, we're we are uh, open, we are a sanctuary city, we welcome all people. Uh, you don't have to have any uh, reason to come here other than you just want to leave your country and come to the United States. And yet, when they come here, they invite them, but they're far away from the border. But when they come to Washington D.C. and New York, these people don't like it. It says, the homeless were no longer deemed vagrants or selfish in their takeover of public spaces, but the victims of an oppressive society. Public defecation, urination, fornication and, fornication, and injection were rebranded as mere lifestyle choices of the unfortunate, not to be judged wrong or unlawful by the victimizers who supposedly made thousands homeless. Ancient laws of hygiene and municipal cleanliness were thrown out as bourgeois as cities reverted to the protocols of their medieval forebears. Leftists who created these Frankenstein-like monsters, like the fictive Dr. Frankenstein himself, became targets of their own experiments. It was no longer enough to support civil rights for the transgendered. Suddenly, any questioning of the wisdom of biologically born males competing in women's sports, or of teenagers with penises undressing among teenage girls in locker rooms, or of state-sponsored drag queen shows with children in attendance condemned one as transphobic and worse. Advocating a secure border and strictly legal immigration was proof of nativism. Equal opportunity for all races was racism. Advocacy for the use of natural gas as a transitional fuel indicted one as a climate denialist. Our woke version of the Jacobin revolution accelerated. Society itself began to unwind. As expected, given Americans relied on meritocracy, free expression, dissent, the rule of law, forbearance, and tolerance. So, he's saying that this Jacobin revolution is accelerating to the point where it's going to It's going to collapse on itself because the society doesn't sustain these beliefs. These beliefs are foreign. These beliefs are uh, unnatural. So it says, the the Jacobin revolution accelerated. Society itself began to unwind as expected, given that America relied on meritocracy, free expression, dissent, the rule of law, forbearance, and tolerance. Those are the ideals of America. But this Jacobin revolution that we're experiencing is nothing like that. It says, in less than three years, our major cities have become filthy to the point of unhealthiness. Violent crime and thievery drove businesses and commuters away. Subways at night became the domain of the homeless and criminal. Vacancy rates in San Francisco or downtown Portland shot up 25% or more. Millions began leaving Jacobin blue cities and states and headed for sanctuaries in more suburban or rural red states like Florida. Once, this is a key. Once trusted and familiar government, agencies became weaponized and inevitably incompetent. Hoover's boys were not interested in the organizers of, 100 days of 120 days of violent looting, arson, murder, and rioting in the summer of 2020, or the threatening mobs that showed up at the homes of Supreme Court justices. Instead, it fixated on parents at school board meetings, Latin mass Catholics, former Trump administration officials, and anyone daring to question the Russian collusion or Russian disinformation laptop hoaxes. The Pentagon brass oversaw a flight from Afghanistan and the greatest military humiliation in modern history. Yet at the same time, it focused on rooting out white rage and white privilege, despite presenting no data to substantiate its accusations. Former intelligence officials and quote, authorities misled the country and warped an election, to ensure Americans did not take seriously in the incriminating evidence in Hunter Biden's laptop of the Biden's family's widespread corruption. So the world became topsy-turvy. Throwing a firebomb into a police-occupied patrol car earned a light sentence, while protesting illegally at the Capitol won a decade in prison. An American who did not get vaccinated was thrown out of the U.S. military Illegal an illegal alien crossing the border unlawfully without a vaccination might earn a free phone and a free lodging in a big city hotel. The more government printed money it did not have, the more the country was slandered as a cruel and mean to its underclass. The more standards were dropped for admission, hiring, promotion, or retention, the more employers were deemed unfair and bigoted. As the American Jacobin phrase excel, uh, phase accelerated, the more it too seemed to pursue its own destruction. Few now trust that the Ivy League graduates of the Ivy uh, of the Ivy League. I'm sorry. Few now trust that the graduates of the Ivy League and Marquee universities know what they once did, and why not? When students are admitted without test scores, but assured passing grades, watered down classes, and graduation to be synonymous with a, to be synonymous with admission. The U.S. military fell short of thousands of recruits, and why not? When its advertiser for manpower, with inventory. With invitations from drag queens and hounded those as racist who died as who died at twice their numbers in the population in Afghanistan and Iraq. It says here, uh, as desperate and woke. Um, sorry, Joe Biden. The thin veneer of the woke revolution polls below forty percent. Even that favorability is propped up by the consensus that he has no idea who he is, where he is, or what he is saying and thus at least deserving of 40% of the support for not being responsible for what he has empowered. A counter-revolution is building not just because people are angry at what their country has become, but because they are now learning that if they do nothing, they will have no country, and soon. He goes on to say that this is a sign that this is coming, this counter-revolution is coming, because even the people who were considered, like I said before, left are now not left enough let to go back to the article it says former and current liberals like elon musk bill maher matt taibbi barry weiss glenn greenwald Naomi wolf or richard dreyfuss are deemed counter-revolutionaries for questioning the excesses excesses of wokeism and so began questioning the premises of wokeism itself so these people who were considered woke liberals elon musk bill maher matt taibbi barry weiss glenn greenwald Naomi wolf or richard dreyfuss they're saying, look, maybe wokeism isn't such a great idea. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, this is kind of an optimistic view. This is an optimistic view that there is a, as a counter-revolution coming. The, least, the less optimi- optimistic view is that this, what I just read, this article, would fall on deaf ears and that the majority of the population will operate under the current uh, dysfunctional state and allow Jacobins to just continue their acceleration towards destruction. And we'll continue to implement things like a green leap forward. And we'll continue to have uh, people who are not adequately educated and not adequately informed to the fact to the point where they are not able to form like Richard Dreyfus and Elon Musk and uh, Barry Weiss did a, 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 a thought that says, well, maybe this is maybe this is not right. Because if we push on long enough, long enough, if you give them long enough, there's been a, a century now, like I said, starting in the 19th, early 20th century, around the time of Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson, this progressivism has been rooted in. So it's invaded culture. Progressivism has invaded the educational system through the public education system. Progressivism has invaded uh, uh, the government for sure. Uh, the Progressivism has invaded and taken over educational systems. So we have a small window, a small window for awakening, but the window is closing every year because there's fewer and fewer people who are going to be exposed to the ideas of the constitution, exposed to the ideas of Liberty, who will even know what it means, what the constitution means. Part of me says that's the reason that they got rid of um, cursive in school because their constitution is written in cursive. The original Constitution is written in cursive. If you can't read cursive writing, how would you know what the Constitution says? Well, you'll say, well, Clearly, you don't have to have that. No one reads the Constitution in cursive because it's written in print else, elsewhere. Yes, it is. Digitally, it's written in print, and, and also print-wise, it's written in print. But the original primary source is cursive. And you say, well, then that would like saying you have to know Latin to know the Bible. Well, there's some truth to that because as things go on, you translate things out, you can get... You can say that, you know, maybe the new translations of the Bible aren't as accurate as they were before. Whatever the case is, is the more people get divorced from this idea of constitutionalism and understanding what citizenship is and what it's like to be in a a country. People today, I think, think that a citizen has no uh, has no um, they don't owe anything to the country in the United States, for instance. A lot of new citizens who are who are are citizens coming here and a lot of people and certainly everyone who comes across the border are not coming here because they want to be part of our country because they think our country is great because they want to take part in this American experiment. They're coming here because they can get free shit from America. They're coming here because they know that America has a very. uh, A very um, seductive welfare state. And once you get involved with the welfare state of America, you'll be taken care of as long as you vote a certain way. And I think a lot of these people that are coming over the border, they have no intention of coming here for any other reason than to get what they can get. It is like a free for all. It is like a looting, you know, people who show up at a, at a store during a riot aren't there because they like that store. They they like that department store. They're showing up there to get their free stuff. And that's what I think a lot of people are coming across the border for, for free stuff. And how do I know that? Well, if you look at those pictures, there's these people that come across the border. And what did they do? They just left all their trash everywhere. They took off their clothes, and they left them just piled up there. And I think that is a very good symbol of what they think of the country. They're just here. This is a stepping stone to them getting what they want. They're here to exploit they're here to maybe work and do what they what they have to do, but it's all for themselves because you would not disrespect a country by coming in illegally otherwise. People who came in through the legal process, like my mother, who became a citizen legally, wanted to be an American. If you sneak in someone's back door, you're not wanting to come in as a house guest. You're coming in to get what the hell you can get and get out. Or maybe, you know, Rob these people and murder them. Who knows? Whatever the case is, you did not come in under, uh, you did not come under under pretenses of, of being a, uh, a nice person. And, um, but the more we get away from that, like I said, people don't know what citizenship means. I I was listening to, um, my uh, middle daughter's school civics lesson. And I had a guy talking about the media And he said the media and they're talking about the amendments, First Amendment and things like that. And they said the media in our country is there to hold uh, political parties and powerful people to account. And that's what the media does. The media reports the news and the media holds people to account. And I just looked at Tracy and we just both laughed to it. I said, did you hear what he just said? And I told her and she just laughed. Because we both know that's what the media does. That's not what the media does. The media is a propaganda organ of the left. Again, they've taken over everything. And I like that uh, Victor Davis Hansen has an a optimistic outlook, and maybe there is a counter-revolution coming. We don't want to be Napoleon, but we just need to restore our revolution to a way, a cultural uh, society that believes in individual liberty. That believes in limited government, that believes in uh, non-discrimination. That's what we need, and we need a we need a government that is uh, we need a society that is that is spiritual at some level, because the Constitution, as as you, if you read it and if you read over the the Federalist Papers, in order for the Constitution to work as we as we have designed it, it has to be for people who have a certain respect. For individual rights as given to them by a creator. Whether that creator is a big man in the sky with a beard or a big jolly fat man sitting on a throne or a tree, whatever it is, you have to have some uh, belief system that there's something greater than you that has given you a right and therefore that you have a uh, responsibility to live in a certain way. Because people, it, the, the the Constitution is not made for an amoral people. You have to be a spiritual and, amor, and a, a moral people in order to live within the limits of the Constitution because it, it grants freedom. It grants freedom and it grants certain powers to the government. But basically, that's it. The government is given certain powers by the Constitution, and the government is limited to the things they can do to the people. And that's what it does. It calls out the rules, the base rules. And otherwise, you have to kind of make it the way you, you're going to make it and it relies upon a people who are uh educated at least to the to what citizenship means it relies on people who are uh moral and it relies on people who are, are believe in a, a a something that gave you unalienable rights otherwise the whole thing falls apart you might as well just go live in a dictatorial society if you want someone who's going to say the constitution gives me uh uh, a place to live the constitution gives me uh doctors the constitution gives me a basic income the constitution gives me you know TikTok. the constitution gives me an iphone the constitution gives me this that and the other that's not going to work here and that will never work here you might as well go live somewhere else but that's what the left is trying to do now in our country make it the latter rather than the former type of constitution that's it for today thank you for joining us subscribe share with your friend And until next time, we hope you have a good week. Bye-bye.